From Accord, this is From Vendorship to Partnership, a show where we dive into the realities of scaling B2B startups. Join our host, Ross Rich, this season on The Seller's Journey as he chats with today's top sales leaders about building winning playbooks, scaling teams, and partnering with customers. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to your favorite sales podcast from vendorship to partnership. We got a super special episode as part of Season 2, The Seller's Journey. We're joined by CEO and founder of Rev Genius, Jared. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Ross. Really of nice course, to be here. man. Yeah, so to have you on this episode and share some of your wisdom that you picked up building an incredible community for sellers. Yeah, why don't you? We'll dive in and uh, why don't you do a quick intro and then we'll jump into uh, the first question. Yeah, I'm Jared, 15 plus year seller and leader that created Rev Genius. Rev Genius, 27,000 sales, marketing, RevOps, and CS professionals. We're a space for folks to go to learn, level up, get jobs, learn how to get promoted, et cetera. Just launched Rev League. Rev League is cohort based learning for your full team over the course of the year with curriculum and aligned with objectives in the job. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, uh, experienced seller, leader, and champion of B2B sales and this modern way of doing it. So, definitely very aligned with uh, our perspective here at Accord. So, let's jump into the first question. It's my personal favorite. Jared, what do most people get wrong when it comes to sales at startups? Yeah, so at least in my experiences, founders think they need to hire sales leaders or sales reps to make their first deals, when in reality, they should be doing it themselves and building out repeatable processes for getting meetings, getting meetings to turn to pipeline, getting pipeline to turn to closes before bringing their first sellers in. It gives you the ability to bring an AE in versus senior leader because you've already built those processes out. And mm-hmm. is your product better than you? Do you think that comes from a place of fear or lack of confidence of, hey, I can't do it, so I want to bring someone in? Where do you think that comes from? Yeah, I think, I think it's probably predominantly people on the product side as well as the tech side. Uh, sellers have no problems doing this, even if they haven't been sales leaders. But I, I do think it's a, it's, it's a lack of confidence or a lack of doing it before, and they just want to lean on proven folks. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I think the people without the backgrounds, I mean, early stage founders, even on the tech side, I think are great sellers because they're deeply passionate about what they're solving for. And I think that's what these early adopters, you know, what they really connect with. And it's really counterintuitive because you think that someone that's sold for years is going to be able to do a better job. But they're really not. So I, I totally agree with that advice. I think you need to get those few deals under your belt first. And, and to unpack it, like like even more, you see tons of people going through incubators, and everybody has insidious like clients. Like you're like, oh, those everybody on your site is Y Combinator too. So like that's not real great. deals. Got the first yeah. deals. It's great. It helps. Mm-hmm. They need to also do deals without introductions to really learn. Totally. Yeah. You're not setting people up for success. And you're like, Hey, this is how I closed my first five deals. And it was like person sitting around you or something. So yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Well, curious to hear a bit about your journey again, you know, really great community that you've built championing salespeople. Like how did you, how did you get here? Yeah. So how I got to building this community was like empathizing with the seller, right? Like I've empathized with like every single part. I, I don't want to say everyone, but a lot what people go through. So I started in 
SaaS actually. I worked for Seamless Web before it became Seamless. I left after three mm. months because I was tired of just like picking up the corded phone. Like there was no tools. I'm like, this stinks. Like cold calling was worse. Then I went to FedEx, so a non-SaaS company for seven years. I did really well there. But then I felt you know, the, the Fortune 100, not being able to break the ceiling, even being in President's Club, and then mm-hmm. trying to go into SaaS with President's Club on my resume and not being able to make a lateral move. So I felt bad, mm-hmm. Empathy, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you hear a lot of times like sellers trying to break into SaaS. Why is it so hard? I, I agree with that. And then throughout everything from not getting paid on time because it was like a few round startup to, and like having to take a pay cut to not get paid on time to um, getting like a really good comp, like enterprise sales, but having like a micromanaging VP looking over me and like just like Mm -hmm. an awful culture Mm -hmm. to um, building out sales teams with like leaders that didn't support it to getting fired because everybody got fired. So like, I felt... You've been through a lot. You've been through all the different scenarios. Uh, Yeah, that's it. I can see you know, what led you to wanting to kind of bring, bring folks up. Yeah. It was easy to be empathetic. So like when the time came when I didn't have a job, I'm like, you know, I have the saying, like, just be a homie. Like, like I am that homie. Like I know what you've been through. So we were able to create a space that spoke to people. Totally. Totally. Love that, man. Well, well, shifting gears a little bit to get more tactical here. Cause I think uh, that's why a lot of folks listen in. We're going to talk about building winning sales processes. Curious to get your perspective on. I know you said you know founders need to figure this out first before you bring on reps. What about that stage where you brought on you know maybe two or three reps? You're thinking about bringing on this leader. You're you know let's call it roughly at that Series A stage, and you're about to start thinking about how do we consistently win these deals? When we figured out our ICP, we figured out roughly what our sales process is. How do you think about building this playbook and building a repeatable sales process? One, figure out what works to get deals through the pipeline, document that, try it on a bunch of folks and, uh, and keep going. When you have that process, then you know, you're better apt to bring other folks on under you and, and mm-hmm. watch them to the process. And from bringing on other leaders, I don't have the experience to bring on other leaders. I've been that leader that brought on others. So you know, it's, it's just about setting up the right KPIs to motivate behavior once once you figure it out and you know just being conscious of folks checking out or whatnot and, and figuring out what to rinse and repeat who's going to work and all of that awesome and how, how do you measure that you mentioned kpis and you mentioned documenting the process like is this from a crm perspective just building out reports is this like the daily coaching meetings and pipeline stuff what you know what's uh what do you think is most powerful there to really get people to adopt this this winning playbook yeah. So, you know, being a full cycle sales rep for a lot, I, I could speak to this, like we needed to have a meeting goal, not even an SDR, like a meeting mm. goal with people in our ICP. So, I mean, it's, it starts with how many accounts you need to go after, how many meetings you need to get. And um, it's a numbers game, like, like how much pipeline you need to generate, understand how much closable business you need. And then you know, break it down weekly with your team. You know, one thing that I really liked early on that that might not have been numbers based, but it was really like good vibes. I want to say early on, like how I was managed at FedEx was we just want three 30-day closable opportunities every Friday. Mm-hmm. And every Friday that came, 
we wanted to make sure that you're making progress on it. And, and if there's yeah. two Fridays in a row that they didn't move to the next step, get them off yeah. for 30 days. Like, like be just super clear, not like a million different things. Like, Hey, these are the three things. Yeah. Let's focus in on that. And like, and the manager would be like, where do you need me to come in? Like, I'm here to help you. And of course my first meeting ever, I came with six things and everyone's like, Hey, this is Michael Jordan on the team and all this. And then, there, and then the next one I came with two because I realized un, unintentionally I was full of it, but it helped me focus and focus on those 30 days closable. And if everything is with your ICP, your ACV is going to be more or less where it needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like a rap song. And you're really focused on, uh, on, on moving the needle. So yeah. you could have confidence if, if you're always focused on moving the deals that, that you're going to do that. And then every month or every quarter, you could macro it up a bit and make sure that that's working out well. Totally. It really aligns with something that I think is a bit counterintuitive that I deeply believe, which is the best reps work the fewest deals. Because like you said, they're working with the ideal customers. They're getting those higher ACV deals. They're the folks that are going to implement and onboard and grow really quickly. And you're building the best relationships with them. It's not the spray and pray method. It's not, hey, I'm working 12 deals at a time. And maybe some of them are real, some of them aren't. The best reps work the fewest deals. and They really invest there deeply. They bring the right folks from their team. And they really drive towards this outcome. So it sounds like super in line with uh, your experience. And check this out. Like, let's say, let's say you have no 30 days closable. So your whole team has like three, two each, and you're coming with zero. I promise you're going to move those deals straight through faster and real because like mm-hmm. everyone's being held accountable. It's just like a whole different thing. Cause I've had pipeline meetings where you review every single deal, even 90 days out. And that gets old. That gets boring and that wastes people's time. Yeah. Yeah. There's long pipeline review meetings and you're just bringing up excuses to have deals in the pipeline. It's not the real deals. How are we going to move these deals forward? Like you said, and when you bring the one in, okay, we're going to get creative. We're going to figure out how to make sure that we close that uh, that one there. Well, cool. Well, to, to switch gears again, before we get into the, the wrap up here, I'm curious to get your perspective on effectively partnering and collaborating with customers since you seem like a super empathetic guy someone that is going to build really great relationships with your prospects and customers, you know, how do you think about, you know, building these great relationships and collaborating effectively with your prospects and, and clients? But I was just talking about this earlier today internally. Deals are won and lost, not by a CS person, not being able to renew it or product not working. They're won and lost by the salesperson. Okay. And how do we create that uh, partnership with our clients? One is bringing the partner manager or the CS person in in the sales process, right? So that they, they help craft a deal that's going to be successful. And in our product right now, let's look at the sponsorship in particular. I'll have them in as quick as the second call because I want one, the client to like get you some, I, I, I just want out. Right. Like, and, and I, and, and like to the point where we're creating a proposal together, me and the partner manager, eight out of 10 times, nine out of 10 times, 10 out of 10 times, they know about the proposal I'm creating, right. For them, like they've approved it so that when the flow happens and they start onboarding, it's already been qualified to be as successful as possible. They already know the person and there's no handoff dropped. In fact, they try to kick me out like earlier. <laughs> like Jared, Jared's holding us up. Like, <laughs> let's go. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's big. And then also, um, how did your sales team partner with customers? Yeah. So that's the biggest way. And then also incentivize based on renewals and upsells and success metrics of the partnership. And yeah, not Mark just Robert's the initial was, close. But yeah. Like, like quick anecdote, Mark Robert, I, I, you know, speaking to him, he's like at HubSpot, he actually gave less commission on the first deal encouraging the first deal to be like a $5,000 ACV and the second deal to be the 100K. He's like, that's great because the deals would, would stay on, the uh, attrition would be low, the churn would be low. It'd be freaking amazing. Totally. No, that's, uh, I mean, investors don't hate that high NRR number either. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, moving on to the wrap up, we got a lightning round with one word, one sentence answers. But before we get into that, since you're kind of at the forefront of B2B sales and thinking about the future of it, what is your perspective on what is coming down the pike in terms of B2B sales? Yeah, B2B sales. And, and, and I'll specifically talk about SaaS because mm-hmm. I, yes, SaaS, that's where I have like yeah. a little bit more of a um, microscope. PLG, like it's here, but it's, it's only going to get bigger and people are going to make it easier to buy like the PLG motion and the enterprise motion, so to speak, like capable to buy on your site, both of them. Like everything about buying is going to be easier faster and people are going to get into products quicker. I mean, we see it with a lot of companies today. We're going to see it with a lot more enterprise companies. Totally. No, I agree. I think the efficiency that that brings, and it kind of speaks to what you were just saying about, you know, Mark's point around, hey, how can you get some of these lands with that product-led approach and then work that relationship, right? Once they're getting to value or, you know, I didn't experience this before starting a core at Stripe, you know, it was a fantastic product, but they had to like, decide to shift on and spend hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars on these enterprise deals to like engineer Stripe. It's a lift and shift. It's not, Hey, you're going to try out part of this. It's so expensive to implement. And, you know, even though it's easy, but we're working really large enterprise deals, you can't sell along with your product. Whereas a core and these other, you know, products working with companies like Figma, like you're co-selling with your product and it is incredibly efficient versus having to kind of tell the story of the value that you can provide. So I, I totally agree. Cool. Last lightning round here. Jared, are you ready for some uh, fast answers? I'll be as fast as I can. All right, man. First question, most common misconception about sales? Sales people are bad people. <laughs> we are not bad people. Favorite app or piece of software as a seller or sales leader? HubSpot. Awesome. Aspirational sales team to build yours after? Oh, man. Saster because it's the most in line with at least the sponsorship model. Totally. That's a great one for you guys. Most helpful work-related book or resource that you've consumed. So from a how to sell standpoint, gap selling by far. From from an understanding VC standpoint, the power law. Mm, I just had someone recommend that yesterday. I need to check that out. Okay. I love that you just mentioned that. Yeah. Awesome. Last question. Hardest part of scaling sales at an early stage startup. Keep believing when you need to scale. <laughs> people, yes, people is this, usually this, the this answer. Is, this, is way, this is way too empathetic at the moment. People is the hardest part. I think if you're asking the most challenging or hardest thing of anything, people, 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 I agree. The most important and the most challenging. Awesome, man. Well, before we sign off, if people want to get in touch with you or what should they get in touch with you for, how should they reach out? 
Yeah. So uh, linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Jared Robin, follow Rev Genius, join revgenius.com. Find me anywhere, send me a note anywhere and say you heard about me uh, from this podcast. Awesome, man. Well, uh, yes, he is genuine with that. Jared will definitely connect with you, whether you are a sales leader, CEO, or a rep making your career in sales. Um, Appreciate your insight and collaboration as always, Jared. This has been awesome. Thank you. You're listening to Accords from Vendorship to Partnership. For more sales and startup insights like this, please be sure to subscribe here or at inaccord.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening.